We broke up and the next morning, uh, Saturday morning, I woke up and there were flyers all over my apartment complex that say, Blake Eason sucks. But there's a risk to be taken and you've just got to do it. And whether you win or whether you fail, I think that lends to us being more courageous people, right? Please leave that in there because that just really shows you how much the quarantine has got to me. That I is the we quarantine at its And I said it with confidence. Hey, welcome back to Burn the Ships, the podcast for dreamers who want to live more courageously and have more fun doing it. My name is Jordan Nations, and today on the show, I get to interview my friend Blake Eason. Now, if you don't know Blake, you should. Blake is an on-air personality with The Burt Show, which is a giant radio show based out of right here in Atlanta. He's also a frequent event host and has seemingly interned at every media company ever. You're going to love this conversation for two reasons. One, because Blake tells awesome stories. And two, because all of those stories lead us to a place where we can learn to live more courageously and to go further faster. I got so much out of this, and I think you will too. If you enjoy this conversation today, would you help out Burn the Ships and subscribe to this podcast on your platform, leave it a rate and a review, or share it with a friend so that they can hear this too. we got big dreams for where Burn the Ships is going, and we need your help to get there. All right, let's get to the show. Here's my friend, Blake Eason. Blake, welcome to the podcast. Dude, excited to be here. I mean, I just told you off air that, you know, watching this thing come to life has just been super fascinating and inspiring for me to watch. So I was excited and thrilled when you asked me to be a part. And here we are. I'm excited because you, um, and we're going to get into this, but you work at a radio show. And you interview people, and now I'm interviewing you, which is really fun for me. It's And it's so fun for me to be on the other side of it, because like you said, typically I'm the one asking the questions. And so yeah. this was the one time that I didn't have to do any preparation. So uh, thank you for allowing me to just show up. Incredible. Uh, give everyone, 30, let's say, 30 seconds. I'm putting it on the clock. Who is Blake Eason? Who are they listening to right now? Oh my gosh, 30 seconds on the clock. Here we go. Hi, my name is Blake. Um, I just graduated. Oh, wow, you really have a clock out. I really right now. put and the clock you, out. You know that you have to do that with me because we will turn this 30 seconds into 30 minutes and there would be no podcast. I know so, you will. And I'm already 10 seconds in. Hey, I'm Blake. I just graduated from Kennesaw State University with a degree in journalism and emerging media. Um, I'm not, I live in Atlanta now, but I'm not from Atlanta. I moved here from a small town called Warner Robins, Georgia, and I want to pursue a career in the entertainment industry. My goal is to one day make it to like E! News, Access Hollywood. Uh, That's your time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Keep going. You have like 50 rabbit holes. I was like, oh my God, am I giving life story? Am I giving career story? I don't know what I'm doing right now. One time I walked a dog and another time I saw a candy bar on the road. (laughs) Exactly. I love Chipotle. It's awesome. Uh, Uh, no, um, I mean, for me, I, I mean, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. So I think that's probably why it's a little bit difficult to answer. Um, but I work for a radio station in town um, called The Bird Show. I'm a assistant producer on that show. Um, and then professional life outside of that is I do some event hosting here and there. Um, and then um, a lot involved with media, whether that's interviewing people, um, radio, and then um, some on-camera um, stuff like that as well. And I'm trying to think. Um, I love adventures. I love coffee shops. Um, I love traveling. I love the West Coast specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Let's Long see what else. Long walks on the beach. Long walks on the beach. You know, I don't like the sand, so I'm going to have to skip out on the long walks on the beach. Nope, we'll stick with the boardwalk. So we'll the west, the Yeah, the West Coast, I kind of pictured you in the sand, and you you threw no, me for a loop. We are all the way – I mean, we'll, we'll look at the sand. We'll look uh-huh. at the waves, uh, uh-huh. but we're not in the ocean, and we're not near the sand. So. Okay, you're you're more Hollywood than Santa Monica. Okay, you know what? <laughs> 
That That's was a you. good one. That was a good one. Yeah. You know, we'll just look at it. We'll appreciate its beauty. I'd rather – I'm kind of – I think I've learned I'm just more of a mountains kind of guy. Mountains yeah. – I go on a hike any day of the week, but you say okay. beach, it's just it's – a, it's a bit of a process. For me. I don't know if you know – I grew up at the beach. Uh, Do you get used to the sand? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm so it so, doesn't even bother you. Like it's just second nature at that point. I love it. Like when it's all Wait. in your car – Okay. Oh, that's the best. Like for no. a whole summer, you just don't vacuum your car. Yeah, you're dude, not I grew serious. Up, right I swear, now. I grew up. You love uh, the sand. Yeah, <laughs> I love the sand. <laughs> I want it in everything. Well, I guess I just haven't spent enough time in the sand uh, to appreciate it the way that you have. I so. want to be eating my cereal in the morning, just be a little gritty. You yeah, know? and on <laughs> that, you lost me on that though. <laughs> I, I can, I can, I can feel the sand on my teeth now because we've uh -huh. all had it there before just a disaster i think we need to start um with my favorite story of you and me together oh, well i think i know what this one is because I, this is an iconic story that we <laughs> share together and it is it is good uh you Ooh. and i <laughs> okay good. pull myself together you and i um met hosting a youth event yes together uh, a few thousand and that was our first time ever meeting so yeah. it's like here you go we're hosting an event together, which, you know, those who are involved in hosting in some capacity would understand that that's kind yep. of a worst nightmare when you don't really know. When you don't know the person. Oh, you don't know. gosh. I hate what that. You, what are you going to do? I think this is a, like the fact that we're, we're doing this podcast together. We're sharing a conversation is a testament to our friendship from that moment because oftentimes co-hosts don't make it that far together. So um, glad to be here, my friend. That was kind of a stretch, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, you and I, so you and I are up there and uh, thousands of, of high, middle high school students out in the crowd, barely know each other. We're hosting, having a good time. And we're playing this game and I'm trying to describe it for people called what's in the box where um, the crowd can see what's in this box, but the person on stage can't and they're reaching their arms around into the box and they have to guess what it is. And I mean, there were things in there like cockroaches, mouse. Uh, a mouse. Uh, a lobster, maybe? Yes, there was a lobster. A tarantula. A tarantula. And it was someone's really great idea to put a full-grown cat inside the box. Yes. We're not talking about a kitten. We're talking about a full cat. Like this was a this was a this was an animal. I mean, it's it's cramped in, this was Tiger King status, cramped into the box. Cat. Yes. And so it was the final round. Of uh -huh. the game. Uh -huh. So the students would reach their hand in. They're trying to figure out what's in the box. They're blindfolded. They have no idea. So obviously the items that you previously mentioned, it was our our job to guard those items to make sure they stayed in the box. In the box. And so this this uh cat comes out. This I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. I don't I honestly the contestant is irrelevant to me at this point. But we pull the cat box out in the moment that we like take the the cover off of the box. The cat jumps out of the box onto the stage. <laughs> oh my okay, but Jordan, you're missing a few moments of the story. So okay, you're with foremost. you're with the contestant. Okay. I have my hand over the box and I'm and I'm and I'm protecting the cat. Yeah. You can feel the cat moving the lid of the box trying to get out. No Meanwhile, way. you're doing the best of your ability to make, you know, to engage the crowd, to engage the contestant. Well, I'm getting paid for. Yeah, to make yeah. sure that she's ready, you know, to guess said item. Meanwhile, it hasn't clicked in your mind yet that this cat is about to make an escape. And we've got to either figure out, one, let the contestant guess, quickly get this game wrapped up, uh -huh. or two, we just scratched this round. And I think it was in that moment that the decision was made for us 
we just had to continue on and without that moment because well the cat said that the cat had enough and you gotta cat, commit to the bit the cat made a run for it live <laughs> on stage so i jumped and i want you to pick back up from your perspective from from that I, the point. cat is jumping i jump onto the cat my yes. arm is I'm, <laughs> I'm wrangling the cat like i'm stone cold steve austin yep. in the ring and you <laughs> Because and I you, didn't want to have anything to do with it. At that point, I was like, I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not doing this cat. Like, no, this is it. I've got. I've got this. This freaking cat <laughs> pinned down in a chokehold. In a chokehold, the contestant is doing something, and you scream the greatest line I've ever heard anyone <laughs> scream on stage. Could you just give us a, a little reenactment? <laughs> Stage hands, stage hands. Can we get some stage hands, please? Stage Can we get some hands. stage hands. That's all I'm yelling in the microphone, like in front of the crowd. The crowd is watching, and you know they're seeing this cat trying to make a run for it. You're holding on to it. The contestant still has no idea what's happening because, well, the contestant was blindfolded, so they knew <laughs> no, they knew nothing of what was going on. Meanwhile, we're just you know fighting it out, trying to you know save the moment, and then the most iconic moment. Of I the mean, entire night happened, and I need you to tell the, the rest of the story. The, the owner of the cat walks <laughs> onto the stage. I mean, it was he's a proud probably, walk. He's probably 16, 17 years old. He's not that old. Nope. He he owns this cat. He's in a tank top. I'll never forget it. An America tank top. <laughs> I think gym shorts. In gym shorts. Because, <laughs> you know, it was a youth retreat. Right. And what that's else how you, you get the ladies. <laughs> that's it. And he walks out there. He takes his cat out of my chokehold lifts his cat into the air like Simba and 3000 middle and high schoolers go nuts. Like I've never heard anything like it in my life. I mean, it was literally the Simba moment. Like picture that from the movie. That was what it was like uh-huh. in that, in that moment while we're hosting together. Meanwhile, we're trying to save the cat. You know, th- what's going through my mind is what if this cat escapes? What if this, I mean, cause we're, we're one yes. foot from the end of the stage. All it took was one leap. And that cat was in the crowd going, it would have been a completely different story that we would be telling right now. Someone would have died. They would have gotten trampled oh, wow. and they would have died. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. What? Goodness. Great. Maybe. Okay, maybe. <laughs> it's possible, Blake. You don't know. We don't know. Luckily, that was not the outcome of the story. No one died. The cat was saved. No, no deaths. And you and I have an iconic, iconic story to share forever. So that's how Blake and I became friends. There it was. <laughs> And then the rest of the weekend uh, was a great weekend hosting that event great. together, but mm-hmm. no hosting session topped that one. That was just none a moment. I'd love to get Not my hands possible. on the video footage of that again one day. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I only have, the I have a picture of it. Yeah. I have the gift where I say, can I get some stage hands? <laughs> I'm going to post gift. the picture of it when I post this uh, podcast. I love it. It's an iconic, iconic photo. Would love um, it. Tell me now you through this crazy series of events, it seems like ended up not only as like a part-time producer with the Burt show, but you are often on the Burt show. And if people aren't from the area, Burt show is a huge deal. Uh, I'm sure. I, I don't know how many people listen to it, but probably a ton. And you have a ton of speaking roles. I see all the time you are um, telling stories or interviewing people or whatever. How in the world did that happen? Cause that feels like a dream that people like work for years to get to do. 
No, totally. And it 100% is. And so I have to first start by acknowledging the fact that I'm super grateful and I got super lucky. So for me, I decided that I, I had always knew that I loved entertainment. I, I've, I've looked up to Ryan Seacrest, to Jason Kennedy, you know, to these people that have been in media for quite some time now. And I've always just, I mean, I've, I've known that they were, you know, I guess, quote unquote, idols and people that I admired, but I just never really knew that one, someone could have a career like that. I just kind of thought those were the lucky ones. Those are the chosen mm -hmm. ones. They just kind of randomly got there. And then secondly, it was like, well, if they didn't just randomly get there, how do you get there? And a kid like me from Warner Robins, Georgia, middle Georgia, I mean, two hours south of Atlanta, I mean, very small town. How in the world is that going to ever make sense for me? So uh, I decided, I was like, you know what? Let's just go for it. I mean, I, I don't want to like look back and, you know, try to have regrets about, you know, saying that I was going to go for it. And so it kind of always was on my mind that I, that was the goal in mind. Um, and But at the time I was like, I didn't, I was an education major at, at my college and I thought I wanted to be a teacher and it was like weird and it, it just didn't make any sense. And so uh, I changed my major to journalism two years into college. So actually, no, three years in. So I only had one year left of college as a journalism major because I just did all my core classes. Um, journalism is one of those majors where you've got to have internships to even compete with people just because it's a super competitive industry to even break into one. And then when you, uh, you know, when you tack entertainment industry on top of that, it gets even more competitive. And so I was like, well, and then furthermore, a lot of it too is about the school and the name recognition of the school and how, you know, notable that program is. And so, uh, if you're in the state of Georgia, the university of Georgia has an incredible journalism program. So many of my friends, you know, have, have graduated from there. For me, I went to Kennesaw and I'm kind of someone that's like, you know what, you know, you, you make the best of what you have, you know, when you have it, where you are. And so I was like, I can't go to UGA. Like my GPA was nowhere near high in Enough when I graduated high school. So um, I was in Atlanta. I changed my major to journalism at Kennesaw State. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to find any internship that I can get my hands on. And so I uh, stumbled across the Bird Show internship one evening um, and applied for it. And I think I, had, I applied for the fall internship in January. So, I mean, we're, we are like, you know, many months ahead of when yeah, they're probably yeah. even looking at, you know, fall candidates. And so I just sent it in and I just didn't know if I was going to hear anything back. Um, a couple months later, I heard back. I was invited in for an interview. Uh, I did the interview. I think the interview was in March. And then after the interview, I didn't hear anything at all. So it was like, you know, here we are. You know, I'm not, I don't know what's about to happen. Um, the reason why I applied for fall, because I had already something lined up for the summer. And finally, at the end of July, right before August comes around the corner, I get the offer that I'm going to be an intern for the bird show. And I start in two weeks. And so um, it was awesome. Uh, I grew up listening to the bird show just because. It, uh, it's a syndicated uh, radio show all across the country, but it just happened to play in my hometown of Warner Robins, Georgia as well. So it was very familiar with the cast, very familiar with the show and how it worked. And it's by far, I mean, I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a massive show. I mean, Bert has really created something that is just iconic. And so I was like, I didn't know where I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I literally thought interns were not allowed in the studio. I was fully prepared to show up to work six o'clock in the morning with a list of coffee to get a list of items to bring to the cast and just ready to serve however I could just because I was so glad that I finally made it into the building. And yeah, I, that's I, what I picture of the whole intern thing. I picture you getting coffee or, uh, you know, whatever's on the guest rider that day or whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the M&Ms. Yeah, yeah, sorting through all the M&Ms, picking all the blue ones out for the talent. That just That's kind of what I picture you doing for your yeah, job. Yeah, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually have heard that there are people out there that request um, 
And I thought it was because they were being Hollywood, but someone told me that like works with green room, like works in green rooms or works with talent. This is a total side tangent. It's because the talent wants to make sure you actually read the writer because like, really? Yeah. If you don't like do like the little small details, they know you didn't read the writer. So what's the thing. Okay. While we're on the tangent, what's the thing that you would put the most ridiculous thing if in your writer, if you were like a big deal? Oh man. Oh gosh. Uh, you're Justin Timberlake showing up to an interview and you have a writer and you know that they'll do whatever you want. What is it? Well, I, I don't, I, I just, the, the first difficult thing that came to my mind was purple nerds. So I want you to get the purple, purple and pink nerd. nerds and just separate the purple ones. Okay. <laughs> but I don't, you could have asked like, for anything. I don't like candy. So just like, like frozen grapes, maybe that, that sounds good. I picture you just chowing down on purple nerds. Like, sour faced maybe the first time if i ever get a chance to do that i'll put purple nerds in there one time just to, to reminisce this moment here that would be brutal separating nerds i hope never i hope no one it's never just small just tweezers yeah literally I, you would sweat it would just be it would be a, be a lot so um anyways no i get there you know don't get me wrong there was a lot of things i mean i am someone i 100% believe in internships. I think, you know, that it is, it's part of it. It's part of the industry. It's part of making it. If you get an internship at a prestige location, if they tell you to get coffee and you just get coffee for the five months you're there, get the coffee proudly, figure out how to get yourself free coffee in it. So like, um, i never was against that brunt work just because I, I really do think that it is just paying your dues and serving your time. Um, and more than anything, if getting the coffee, it meant that I get, I still got a chance to watch Bert in action. And that's all I wanted to do was just see how he did it. Um, but when I got there, come to find out, interns have to submit personal stories every week. And so in addition to the other intern roles that we would do in terms of indexing, taking notes, uh, getting coffee, making copies, doing things of that nature, um, you got a chance to submit personal stories. And so I would just submit personal stories about anything that's going on in your life. It could be things that are happening currently, things that are happening in the future. And I'll never forget, I turned in my personal stories on week one. There was a story I'll never forget. And it was just basically like about uh, this one time I had this ex-girlfriend in high school and we broke up. And the next morning, uh, Saturday morning, I woke up and there were flyers all over my apartment complex that say, Blake Eason sucks. And she probably no printed out 500 of these flyers, <laughs> posted them all over the apartment complex that I lived in. And then to make matters worse, it <laughs> rained the night before. So all the all the flyers were like kind of like wet from the like, yeah, uh, from the rain. And yeah, I went and picked them all up. And it was just kind of like a moment that I'll never forget. I was like, wow, but this is insane. She she printed flyers like she I don't even printed, think I have that much ink in my house to print that many flyers. Like, that's crazy. No, she went to she went to. UPS to yeah. get them printed. Staples, something. I don't know. Staples, Kinkos. Is that still a thing? Exactly. Dude, 500 flyers. Dude, it was, just like at your apartment, in your complex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just at my oh. door, like all over. Like my mom found them because she went on a walk that morning and walked by the gym. And she was like, wait, why is there a note on the gym door? And it's and then it's her son's name, Blake Eason sucks. And so I submitted <laughs> that as a story that week, my first week on the show. I was Monday, Wednesday, Friday intern. I come back in on Wednesday. Uh, and I had I'd heard that like Bert likes to surprise interns when they're on the air for the first time, um, but I, I wasn't sure. And so um, then Bert like he did a tease going into the segment, but then he was like, "But first, before we go into this, I need to figure out what did Blake do to have flyers spread all across." And so when I heard that, I thought, "Oh goodness, that's my story. Is he about to tell my story on air?" No. They threw me up there, grabbed the headphones, were live on air, and I just started talking. 
And no prep at all. No prep at all. I had oh, no idea. I was so literally good. doing another assignment that morning and it just all happened so fast. And it's like seven o'clock. I threw the headphones on and I'm just talking and I, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so that happened on um, my first week there. And then like the next day, um, they played a prank on me and basically the prank was, uh, I got a, I got a call from the show director, Tommy, and he basically was like, um, we want to give you some feedback about your on air segment that you did this week, referring to the bit that I just was telling you about. Right. And I'm at a Mexican restaurant eating dinner with my friends, like just on this high of like, this is awesome. I was on the radio today. This is crazy. So I do the, uh, I, um, answer the phone and it's like this list of crazy amounts of feedback like um don't make eye contact with bert when you're in the studio it's distracting to him uh if you okay. ever take a picture of bert you always have to appear to be shorter than him because he doesn't like anybody to be taller than him uh, let me see <laughs> don't wear orange in studio it's the worst thing uh ever um what's going through your mind and so i'm like hearing all this and it's like my first week so i i genuinely don't know and i'm like oh god was i staring at him in the studio i'm so sorry if i made eye contact with you like okay mental note don't make eye contact anymore okay make try appear smaller to smaller than him so i'm just taking it all in i'm like okay uh-huh yeah and he's like try not to be so loud try not to be so excited and so like these are things i mean i definitely am someone who's very loud very excited and right so i'm like wow, this is, this is very intense feedback. And so I'm just kind of taking it all in uh, and I'm saying yes to everything. And then come to find out the next day I get to work, they play it all back and they're laughing at my reactions because they play the, the conversation, like the feedback conversation, they play the feedback conversation <laughs> on air and then they react to it live. So it was, uh, I mean, that was the first week. I mean, talk about first week on an internship. And so looking back on it, I mean, my internship, I can 100% say I found a lot of luck um, in writing those personal stories. I mean, every week I would write three and I would try to be creative. I would, and it, like the better you get at it, you know, the way you, you, you write it in a way that's compelling in a way that people kind of want to know what happened. And so um, I found a lot of luck and success in those personal stories, which lended to me getting a chance to be on air a lot as an intern. And then um, towards the end of the internship, I was fully prepared to, you know, pack my bags, move on to the next opportunity because I knew that internships were still the main focus. I was grateful that I had that one, but I did not go into the internship looking for a job. Like I just, it just never really registered in my mind that you get a job out of an internship like that. It was kind of like a one and done type deal. So I applied to another internship in um, the city, and it was a news internship because for me, I wanted to have an internship that represented all areas of media. I wanted to have radio. I wanted to have news, like local news, like real news, and then TV, right? So those are my three internships that I wanted to have. So I applied for WSB-TV, which is like our local news channel here in Atlanta. I love I love local news. I'm, I'm, I'm really lame and boring. I watch the news every morning and every night. You watch it. Uh, I, I do watch it. I would be watching it right now if I was not doing this podcast with you. So uh, I will I will catch up on it later on. Uh, if we finish by seven, I'm going to definitely watch the seven o'clock news. So yeah, I didn't know there was a seven o'clock news. Yeah, ABC ABC World News tonight. With You're Dave. the only person in our age demographic that watches the news. I, I and I hate that you just pointed that out, but you're right, and you needed to point <laughs> I see that out. your little blip on the radar, and they're like, "Well, we'll yeah. hold out for that kid." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I applied to WSB TV and it was a very long process. Like, I mean, I mean, WSB's internship is pretty prestige in the world of journalism. And so uh, I interview for it and uh, basically I go through the whole process. 
A week later, I hear back. I hear that I got the internship. So I'm super excited, thrilled. This is going to be great. Boom, had the Burt Show. Radio satisfies that. I'm going to go on the news, and it's going to be great. Uh, the next week is Thanksgiving break. I'm on my way home to go celebrate Thanksgiving with my family. I get a call saying that from the intern director at WSB that the internship program at WSB TV has been suspended indefinitely. So they are not bringing on interns. The internship is no longer existent, existing, and that was the end of that. And I mean, it's the end of the semester, so you can't really go and apply for any other internships because at that point, they've pretty much hired all their you know spring semester candidates. And uh, so that was kind of it. So I was definitely really bummed. I went home and I just kind of thought like, what am I going to do? And then uh, the next week or maybe two weeks later, I forgot kind of how it all played out, but I get back um, to the station and Bert and I, Bert and I, you know, developed a uh, relationship um, at the show. Um, you know, I definitely would consider him someone who's a mentor. Um, even while I was an intern, I would, I would get there early so I can ask him questions and just try to figure out how to become better at this and really just soak up as much as I could while I was there. And one morning in the studio, I just asked him, I said, you know, if you were in my position, Bert, what would you do right now? Like somebody who wants to do have a career in entertainment, um, what would you do? And he just was like, you know, one, I'd love to talk to you about that when we have more time. I asked him that while he was preparing a show, probably not the best Good, time, yeah. but uh, so that lended to us getting together offline um, and we continued to talk about it. And he said, I think you just continue doing what you're doing now, um, submitting personal stories, getting on air reps. And we go from there. And I said, like, you know, my internship's about to end here. He's like, no, don't worry about that. We'll figure out a way to keep you around. And cool. so two weeks later, they offered me the job as an assistant producer. And so I answered the phones and still submit personal stories today. And here we are. In August will be two years. Two years. Yeah. I, I love, I mean, I love everything about it because so much of it is you saying, hey, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to figure it out. Totally. Like, I, whatever it takes, I'm just going to keep going for opportunities and I'm going to try every door. And because you were persistent enough and diligent about it, like things worked out. Totally. I mean, it just was, it's, it, I mean, the philosophy that I've kind of always carried, you know, is, you know, you, you won't always be the most talented person in the room, but I can always be the hardest working person in the room. And that's the one thing that I can control. So, uh, I know that there are way more talented people out there than I am. And I probably will never be as talented as them. But the one thing that I can control right now in this moment is my work ethic and the discipline that I carry that I carry in, yeah. in you know in response to that work ethic. And so, uh, yeah, it was definitely a. Um, but I also do believe that you know it, I, I do believe in luck. I do believe in timing. I think everything has to you know be right in the moment. Um, but at the same time, you know you do got to have that work ethic as well. Just because I don't think if I worked hard during the internship, you know it was gonna yeah. a job would have lended itself to me. You know, it, it seems like you're in a lot of rooms with people who are older or more experienced than you. Yeah, that is a really good point. Does, does that ever does that ever scare you? No, I think I uh, that's a great question. Uh, no, I think I'm just inspired by it. I think it's just kind of like uh, I recognize the value and being around people who are a little further than I am. So yeah. I'm going to do whatever I can to serve them and to be in positions to where I can observe them or ask them questions or really just watch and learn. I think there's a lot, you know, 
Bert and I didn't have these hour-long conversations when I was an intern. Why? Because he doesn't have time. He's running a nationally syndicated morning show. But what I did get to do hours upon hours was watch him go in and out of breaks, prepare for segments that are coming up, you know, uh, create content. And so there was just a lot to be learned from just literally observing somebody. And yeah, um, yeah I think that is like the best part about being around people who are, who are older um, and a little bit more experienced. Yeah. It what when you think about where you're going, what does scare you? If if being oh, in a man. room with people who are like who are more experienced than you, older than you, wise, whatever, if that doesn't scare you, what is scary about where you're trying to go? Uh, I'm, I mean, I think it's the, it's not the ones who are ahead of us; it's the ones who are coming behind us. Because there mm. there are people that are coming behind us who want to do the same thing that we're doing right now. There are people watching us that we don't even know who they are, and they're looking to us. And um, I think you know. I, I always talk about it. You know, the work that I get, I get a chance to do. I don't consider it work. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, there there are twelve to eighteen hour days. I don't get much sleep at night. Um, but I'm so lucky that I get a chance to do the work that I'm doing. I mean, you get to tell stories, funny stories, ridiculous stories. You get to interview, you know, very thoughtful people and have you know thoughtful conversations that can influence the world and the way we see it. And so these are all things that are just super exciting to me. And so of course I want, you know, I want to have a career in this, but just because I do, doesn't mean that there aren't other people out there who also want to have a career in this. And so, um, here's me now is, um, you know, getting comfortable, getting, getting to a place where I feel like I'm satisfied. And a lot of people would say, um, I'm never going to apologize for my eagerness. I'm never going to apologize for my, willingness to want to be better, to want to do better and to, to want to get further. Right. Um, I don't think I'm where I'm, I want to be right now. And so if I'm not where I want to be, that means there's still a lot more things that I've got to do in places I've got to see to get to where I want to be. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I didn't intend for that to rhyme, but you boy did used to rap. Yeah, that was nice. Um, so for me, it's like, uh, I'm definitely fearful of getting comfortable. I'm fearful of getting complacent. I am, uh, yeah, I think those would be some things that I'm I'm definitely fearful of. But but being in a room of people that are older than you, oh, that's not a fear. That's a that's a privilege. So you know, okay, take advantage of that. You know, when you get it, because one day people will be looking to us for the answers. And right now, I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, that's why I brought you here. <laughs> We're going to burn the ships. For Blake doesn't know what he's talking about. And the, and the ships are really going to burn, people. And they are going to burn. I feel that. I feel that as well. The whole um, the people below you. That's where I feel the tension as well. Like I, um, I supervise this uh, girl at work who is awesome. I mean, she's a killer. And there are multiple. There have been so many days when she will report all these things she did that day, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh gosh, you are running laps around me. Yeah. Uh, and and I, that is what keeps the pressure on for me. Totally. Is that the person that I'm supervising is running and that is yep. so great. And, and it's, it's a great thing too. And I don't mean that in terms of like, uh, it's a, it's a competition and like, you know, I don't want to help those who are behind me. No, 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 no. I, I think it's because we have a, we have a due diligence to help those that are behind us because people in front of us have helped us. And so, right. um, but that's only going to work, you know, if, if we are, you know, taking care of the talent that we have and, you know, uh, our purpose and, you know, moving into that and, and really being able right. to, you know, grow towards that to help those who are, you know, maybe hoping to do the same thing. Who's the coolest person you've interviewed? Coolest person that I've ever, you know, I got to be honest with you. My first celebrity interview was Lil Nas X and that was no way that was pretty iconic. And I mean, it'll just, it, it, it's one of those things that's like, what, how, 
how did that happen? You know, and right. this was at the time that uh, Old Town Road was like still on the top of the charts. It had not come down yet. And uh, it was a last minute thing. He sh- he wanted to come. Uh, I also interned over at uh, Seacrest Studios and he wanted to come over there and visit the the kids in the hospital and they needed somebody to interview him. And so basically it's a live interview in front of, you know, you know, his friends and family and kids. And I was like, I'll do it. And uh, the opportunity came up. And so it was on a Monday and I think I, I probably did, you know hours of research going into it. Sure. Um, but he was so nice. He was so humble. And you're looking at a kid who has the number one song in the world forever. Highest song ever. And, and he was pretty young, right? I mean, yeah. he was like 19. Yeah. And he's from Atlanta. And so to be able to interview him in Atlanta and just to see somebody who, you know, was so down to earth and just was so uh, diligent in surrounding himself with people who wouldn't allow it to get to his head. You could just tell he just was just having fun. And, you know, it was just kind of the whole thing of like, I want to give back because I've had, I've had so much given to me. And so it was really, really special to have that interview. Give me a short list of a few others. Who are we talking about that you've interviewed? Uh, chain smokers would be one. Chain smokers. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Chain smokers. Uh, who else? I'm blinking right now. Oh, T.I. T.I. was a great interview. T.I., come on. That's yeah. awesome. T.I. was awesome. I mean, T.I. was my favorite rapper growing up. Still is one of my favorite rappers today. So um, to get a chance to talk to him and, uh, you know, have some fun was was great. Right. What's um, what's the most challenging thing that you've had to overcome to get to this spot where you're at today? Oh, man. Oh, gosh. The most challenging thing. The I would say probably the... Um, just understanding that I'm going to be misunderstood. And that's like kind of like a, you know, a, a little throwaway answer, right? Um, no. no, but I think it is something that was just like knowing that I, uh, I want to go somewhere where not a lot of people have gone, where not a lot of people want to go. Um, and the people who have went there um, maybe could be a little territorial over where they're going or furthermore, I mean, like I said at the beginning of this, this is a very competitive industry. I mean, entertainment, it's, it's, it's competitive, it's cutthroat. It's, um, it's not so much what you do, it's who, you know, and so, you know, there's that piece of it. Um, but just understanding that like, you know, um, not everybody is going to work as hard as I work. Um, and just because they don't like, I should not be intimidated. Um, well, I, what's the, what's the quote that I came across the other day and it like changed my whole life. Um, just just because someone is intimidated by you, that's not your responsibility to take care of. Like the only okay. thing that you're responsible for is showing up, working hard, and being kind and doing the right thing, practicing integrity, you know, all the fundamental values that we grew up believing, right? And so th- those are the things that I carry with me every day, right? Um, but I think a lot of people can get fearful of somebody who comes into a workplace that is super, you know, super focused, uh, super hardworking, um, and w- kind of have that uh, mentality mentality of like I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Like I don't care how much I don't sleep, you know, how much I have to work, you know, how far I have to travel, and so um, just understanding that there are not a lot of people out there. I mean, I'm sure you can you can relate to this. Uh, 
hard work is really hard to come by these days. There are a lot of people who just expect things to just be handed to them. Um, there are people that expect things to um, be given to them. And I just, I didn't grow up, you know, with that, you know, I mean, my mom was a single mom. She raised me by herself and, you know, dad was in and out of the picture and uh, I didn't grow up with that. So, you know, the only thing that I know is that I am responsible for the success that I have. And the only way to be successful is to work hard. Yeah. So I, is that so feeling missed. Yeah, I mean, feeling misunderstood um, mm -hmm. for the fact that you are working that hard. Yeah, I think it's because um, people can look at you and think, oh, he's arrogant or, oh, he um, is prideful or, oh, he is uh, – all he cares about is work or all he cares about is himself and you know yeah. things of that nature. Um, but I do think when you are young and you're trying to break into an industry that you've dreamed about getting into, there is a level of – you know. Uh, you're not going to be able to do the things that everybody else is doing. Why? Because you want to go somewhere that no one else wants to go. Right. You know, right. You, you've got, you've got to do something different in your foundation. Totally. If you want to get, you know, if you want to get somewhere different. Yeah. And I, I think for so long, I just was like, Oh my gosh, like I want so-and-so to like me, or I want so-and-so to see me in this way, or I wish so-and-so didn't think that about me, or I hate the fact that they think that I'm this way. Mm -hmm. And I think I just, spent so much time and energy trying to fix the way other people looked at me and trying to apologize for the things that I really shouldn't be apologizing for. And so there's just so much freedom in just knowing you're going to be misunderstood. People might not always understand where you want to go, what you want to do, and how you're going about doing it. But my mind, I think what's most important is if I am doing things the right way, practicing integrity, treating people with kindness, and working the absolute hardest. I don't see if any wrong in that. Right. You do you? Right. No, no, I don't. Um, you it's know, it's, how, like my, my instinct just clicked in. Like I, I want an affirmation. Like, am I doing it right? Am Help I me. okay? Do you? What Help. do you think? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Anybody, please. <laughs> um, no, I totally. And you know, what helped me the most in that journey. Cause I feel like I've walked a really similar one of uh, for a long time. I felt misunderstood and that it's not, I had great friends. I love my friends so much. Um, and I have for so long and, and they just have really gotten me where I'm at today. But for a long time, I was scared to live different mm -hmm. from how my friends were living. Yeah. Because I was scared of either sticking out or them seeing, like not understanding it yeah. or being misunderstood, like you're saying. And when I started surrounding myself with people who were also on these creative journeys to create something, make something, do something, whatever, um, who supported your uh, my journey and right. supported like anytime I'd make something, whether it was good or the worst thing ever, uh, that really changed things for me. And after the fact, I looked back and I was like, I don't think it was ever my friends. I think it was in my head yes. that I thought people would like, you know, make fun right. of whatever I was doing. And in reality, it didn't matter. And they probably wouldn't have. Right. No, I, I think you made, you brought up several, several great points there. I mean, I think another thing too, that we deal with is this, um, no one wants to ever be portrayed as trying to be better than someone. And so like, yeah, suddenly when you can't go out to the bars or when you can't go out and do the fun things, or you can't go out and, you know, go to all the parties because you have to get up for work in the next morning, or you're, you know, you're, you know, you're practicing your craft or doing whatever, suddenly you can get labeled with this image of like, Oh, he's trying to be better than us. Or he thinks he's better than us, you know, and, and things of that nature. But you know, it, it all changes when obviously you surround yourself with people who are, you know, 
equally as driven as you are and are focused on the same that same thing that you're you're going going through but uh or going for excuse me but um i think what i like so much is that whole you know being in your head i am the worst person about being in my head i mean it's it's just it's just that constant you know you're you know you're doing the wrong thing or you're overthinking this or have you thought about this and so right the quicker you can get out of your head, the better. But I mean, I can't tell you that from a place of, you know, being that I've done that. I think I'm still walking in that journey. And I kind of want to say, I think it's going to be a forever thing. It's just something that I've got to be, you know, conscious of moving forward at all times, just because sometimes we can be our own worst critic. And that's not really fair to us, you know? Almost all the time. Yeah. I mean, it, it, almost all the time is myself. It's what's in my head that holds me back. It's not anyone standing outside my house no. saying, boo, you know, don't, don't do that. No, not at all. But I this think, me. but I, there are, there's times that I'm super grateful for it because I think that is what makes me bring out the most excellent work that I can do is knowing that there is a level of excellence that I'm trying to get to. And if it's not getting there, then why would I re release something or do something that is not done with excellence? And so, I mean, looking at you and what you've done with yourself and, you know, the things that you've built, even this podcast in itself, like, you know, you do things with a level of excellence. And, uh, I think if, you know, you you didn't do things like that. I don't know if that that thing in our head would be talking to us, talking to us as much. If that makes sense, true, you know? true. And it pro it gets louder at the more you step out, right? Totally. Oh Fear gets louder in your life the more you step out of line, you know, if you will. Yep. It just like wants to shut you back down there. Yep. I almost it, when I when I read interviews of like people who have done incredible things, you know, obviously fear always comes up. I I kind of wonder these days, you know, if you if the more we put ourselves in positions to be afraid or to invite fear in, will we get better at responding to it? Because I almost yeah. think that we will. It's almost like a muscle, like just as much as, you know, anything else is like, you know, a muscle you've got to work at it to make it stronger. If we put ourselves in positions of being fearful or being afraid of something, will we just get better at responding to it? And so I think that's kind of what I'm focused on these days of just like I want to put myself in positions to be scared because I think that's kind of what, you know, when you have more skin in the game, it, it you know, there's, there's more of a risk and there's more of a reward too. Yeah. It's like Bert telling you to get more reps. I yeah. mean, there's a reason you just, when you repeat something over and over again and it's hard, yeah, you get better at it. You think I wanted to go from being there three days a week to go, going there five days a week and then having to wake up at 4 a.m. every morning? Absolutely not. That meant I was going to bed early every night, you know? Yeah. But here we are, and it's like I'm super grateful for how things played out. This is a podcast about courage. You've heard the pitch. Yeah, um, I love about, it. Yeah, it's so fun. Um, you know about this general who lands on the shores and tells his guys, "Hey, burn our own ships because there's no getting out of here. You are yeah. going forward, and they win." But today, in 2020, that doesn't happen very often. There aren't many like <laughs> conquerors <laughs> landing ships on shores right. and saying, "Go slaughter everyone." So in our modern day in 2020, which is a very weird, weird year to live in. Very weird. What is courage? Oh, man. I will say I kind of looked over this question just so I can have some type of thought towards it. And I think the thing that came to me today when I was thinking about it was I think courage to me is taking a risk, not knowing the outcome. So hmm. you don't know what's going to happen, but there's a risk to be taken and you've just got to do it. And whether you win or whether you fail, I think that lends to us being more courageous people, right? Um, and I think that is kind of my whole thought 
when it comes to this thing of courage. Like I, I want to be somebody who is seen as courageous, but if I'm going to be seen as somebody who's courageous, then I've got to take more risk. And I'm somebody who's big on feedback, big on evaluations. And like, I think I want to take more risk, you know, like I, I want to, yeah. I want to get to the end of this thing and think, man, I didn't play anything safe. I had a very great situation in a certain season of life, but there was this itch inside of me that was like, it's time to jump. It's time to move. And yeah, I I have more thoughts, but you, you ask me questions and then we'll see taking, how it goes. Taking risk without knowing the outcome. Yeah. What's the last big risk you took? You know, it's uh, it's so great that we're doing this podcast, right? Because I feel like when I listened to the memo of the podcast and the idea of it, I kind of felt like my burn the ship moment hasn't happened yet. So okay. I think it's really cool that you and I get a chance to have this conversation now and maybe in a year or five years or 10 years, whenever my burn the ship moment happens, so to speak, where I throw in everything and say, it's here we go. Here's the next adventure, right? Maybe we'll get a chance to look back on this because I do think that my next ri- my next risk moment is probably coming very very soon. I've told myself um, time and time again, you know, my lease here in Atlanta ends in July, and I told myself at the beginning when I even signed my lease, I was not going to resign in Atlanta if there was not anything super specific to what I want to do, where I want to go. Um, and, and what's next? And I think um, I, I just finished up an internship over at uh, CNN this past um, semester. And you're the king of internships, dude. I'm an, I would be an intern forever. Like you're an intern everywhere, dude. It, it, it was you spinning. are my intern. <laughs> Welcome, dude. If I could continue to intern, I mean, I would. I interns are gold, dude. Internships are gold. Like they they put you in front of people who. Uh, make very powerful decisions, and if you if you're good uh, at making impressions, and you're good at asking questions, and you're and you're going to work hard, I think people are going to see that. And so, if um, you want to be the first burn the ships intern, dude, uh, the pay is not great, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, in the middle of this pandemic, I'll take anything that I can get my hands on. Okay, um, I buy you lunch once in, every once in a while. It'd be great. We we still need to do that lunch, by the way. Um, <laughs> Let me think. Where were we at again? Oh, uh, my burn the ships moment. I, yeah. So here we are now. It's, I mean, we're in March. I'm not sure when this episode will come out, but I don't know what's next for me. You know, Bert has been an incredible. We're going to make a quick correction. We're in, uh, it's oh, no, April 16 today. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Please leave that in there because that just really shows you how much the quarantine has got to me. That I is the we quarantine at its March. finest. And I said it with confidence. You it said, was, here we are in we're March. In March. I don't know when this episode is coming out. <laughs> Today's April 16. This is coming out, uh, I think, on Tuesday, whatever, the 20th. So the, wor- the worst part about it was my screen completely froze, and I didn't it hear it. It froze a- the moment you said that. Yeah, and it was like almost like, you're an idiot. I'm going to freeze you to make you think about what you just said. But no, I, I really do think my moment is coming soon. I've always said – I've always had great admiration for the people who've like – you know, Ryan Seacrest, right, lived in, it, lived in Atlanta, moved to L.A., and made it happen out there, right? Obviously, LA is where entertainment is. I right. would be a fool to think that me not having me moving to LA is not in my life. Not as in my that's not in my journey. It's going to happen at some point. I just don't know when it's going to happen, right? Because I do think there is a level of you've got if you want to have a career in this industry, you've got to be where it's all happening, right? Um, and 
I think that might be for me soon. You know, okay. uh, what I appreciate so much about Bert is he's, I mean, Bert's traveled the entire country in radio. I mean, you know, from San Diego to Washington, you know, to here in Atlanta. And so, uh, and probably even a few more places in between. And, you know, he's been so awesome and just, you know, giving me advice and just saying, and, um, you know, even one of the things that he's even recently told me is like, dude, I think it's almost your time to jump. You just got to jump, you know? And, uh, I don't really know what that means. We, you know, we shared a conversation a couple months ago and basically he just kind of just gave me the four one one and I was super grateful for his honesty, um, and his direction. And he was just kind of like, Hey, you know, you took my advice a year ago, you stayed on the show, you got more reps in, I think you're ready, you know, for your next step, whether that's a full time on mic position in a medium sized market, or, you know, whether that's you wanting to say, hey, I want to go the TV route instead of the radio route. I just think that's your next step, you know, clearly here on the Burt Show. Um, this isn't TV, you know, and this isn't a medium sized market. This is Atlanta. And so, um, it might be time for you, you know, for your next, you know, your next chapter. And I just thought, what kind of boss would, you know, tell you like, Hey, you know, I'm proud of, you know, what you've done. I'm proud of, you know, uh, you know, what you've done here and, you know, your diligence to want to be better. And, um, because of that, I think you're ready for the next chapter. And so, um, that was a conversation we had back at the end of last year. And, I just appreciated it so much and it was a great conversation. And um, so fast forward to now, a couple months later, you know, being graduated and uh, obviously now, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, which, you know, has affected all of our lives. We are. And it's like, if you didn't tell by my March statement, then uh, yes, we are. Uh, I don't know what day it is or what time it is or who I am anymore. Um you know, it's affected all of our lives. And so I definitely think that it's it's thrown a wrench into the equation. Um, but at this point, dude, I mean, you're looking at somebody I had before the pandemic came, I was interviewing for a job. Uh, it would have been something that I could have done in addition to the Burt Show. So it would have been like in the Another afternoon. Internship. It actually was not an internship, believe it or not. Uh, it yeah. was a dream job. It was an on-camera okay. job and cool. here in Atlanta. I was interviewing for it. It was never, the position was never offered, but the position was going to be offered to somebody the week everything got shut down. And so it was kind of a moment of like, I'll never know if I would have got that job because obviously, you know, no one can get offered any job right now because of, you know, the current circumstances. And so that was definitely a, um, you know, a, a moment that I kind of had to take in and just, uh, you know, really evaluate the situation and just, you know, count my blessings. Um, because I would be a fool to tell you right now that I didn't want it. Dude, it was everything that I wanted, you know, and maybe it'll right. come in the future. I don't know. Um, but it's not now because of, you know, what's going on. And so um, that would have secured the rest of 2020. It would have been something that I would have done for the rest of the year. And now that that's gone, it's opened the window of opportunity of, oh, goodness, what am I going to do now? You know, I it is April, like you said. Thank you for the correction. You're welcome. Um, and July's not too far away, and I don't know what's next. I mean, obviously, you can relate. You know, being an event host in a time where there are no events is a very difficult do- job to have. Why? Because there are no jobs at the moment. Right, so, um, I've 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 always heard that a successful person always has anywhere from three to five streams of, of income at, in some capacity, and and probably even more as you know you know you look at the Forbes list, um, but. I had multiple streams of income and now they're all down to one, you know? And so it's scary. We're living in a very scary time. 
Um, but I think what uh, makes me grateful for this season, one, I already mentioned it, the window of opportunity. When you don't have anything going on, that just opens you up to the possibility of what's to come. So I don't know what's on the other side of this, but I think it's going to be something great. You know, I think there's a level of optimis- optimism and hopefulness that uh, I kind of have, you know, towards this um, that definitely kind of, you know, helps me not be right. so, you know, bogged down by the current situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then furthermore, the last thing is we're all in the, we're all on an even playing field right now. Kind of, sort of. We all don't know what's to come. No, none of us have went through this before, you know? So I, I want to say, like, I think, you know, the next time that you and I get a chance to chat and have a conversation about courage and burning the ships, I think I'll probably have a lot more to say because I feel like my moment is coming very soon, which is so scary, but also so exciting. Well, here's the thing. The moment, your burn the ship moment is coming. And when it does, I want you right back here on the podcast because I want to check in on it. And I dude, know. I mean, you, I would love to. Come on, dude. You're, I, here's what I know. One is, dude, I freaking love you. I think you're awesome. Uh, and you really do exemplify this whole burn the ship, take the risk. Let's just go for it thing, which anyone listening to this what, could tell by right now. Uh, that's kind of your mode of operating. And it's inspiring to me. It is challenging to me for me to like step up and uh, go for it in my life and to take the risk. And man, I'm just really appreciative of you and our friendship and you even coming on this podcast. This was dude. Awesome. I, I think the same of everything you just said uh, about me, about you. Uh, I mean, I even told you before we started recording the way you have launched this thing. I mean, I've, I've, I've taken so many notes myself. Um, but more than that, dude, I mean, you're just a genuine dude. You really care about people. So for you to have a platform like this to like bring the best out of other people to inspire the best in people, it's going to change people forever. So I think you found a great thing. Grateful to even be on this thing. Um, and I will take you up on being a burn the ships intern when I move to LA and I don't have any money and I'm sleeping on couches. So, okay. Then we'll make it happen. Hey, Hopefully your want- dollars have come in at that point. So you can buy me pizza. Yeah, for real. If there are any advertisers listening, people that know advertisers, uh, I get a lot of downloads. So you probably, <laughs> it's you probably so many downloads. My computer just crashed. You I mean, it's crazy. The amount of downloads I'm getting, it's at least five. So, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Blake, how do people find you? If they want to find you, how do they find you on the internet? Oh, you can just, uh, I love Instagram as my favorite social media site by far at Blake Eason on Instagram. Um, And yeah, it's where you can find me at Instagram. Boom. Boom. Find him. I hate my Twitter name. It's at the Blake Eason. I'm trying to change it. It's so just extra, but I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet much. Instagram is where it's at. Instagram is where it's at. Find Blake on Instagram. Blake Eason, thanks so much for being on the show today, dude. I had so much fun. Dude, thank you, Jordan. Hey, one more thing before you go. You've probably heard that we have big dreams for where Burn the Ships is going. And the first one is to get this listed on Apple's new and noteworthy page. Now, no one really knows exactly how that works, but it seems like you have about eight weeks to get enough traction to get listed on the page. Right now, the page is big celebrities and media giants like NPR, and I think it would be awesome and honestly hilarious to get Burn the Ships listed right there with them. So I know it's needy, but please, could you help us out? Subscribe, rate, review to this podcast on your podcast platform, and please share it with a friend if it was meaningful for you. And hopefully, we can move this conversation about courage further and further into the world so that people can live more courageously and have more fun in their lives. And I believe that things will be better when we do. Thank you so much for doing that. Have a great day. 
Thanks for listening to Burn the Ships. 